0: I want women like you to have it easier than I had it so you can thrive in the industry. I've now helped thousands of women grow their financial businesses to multiple six figures, some even seven figures per year. So on this podcast, you're going to get an inside look at how they did it so you can do it too. Let's dive into the show. Hey, hey, welcome, welcome. I am here with my good friend, Dr. Cheryl Wood. And I just found out that she's an honorary doctorate. I mean, who gets an honorary doctorate? I had to like understand this for five minutes. I'm like, tell me, Cheryl, like how the heck did you do that? So tell them like, we're gonna talk about other things, but just tell them how you got an honorary doctorate because you've been so cool about like helping women. So tell them a little bit about that real quick. Uh,
1: Yeah, so number one, I had to have 10 years of a body of work where I was doing something that serves other people outside of myself. And for me, that work has been empowering women to create, launch, grow, and scale their own businesses so that they can create economic independence for themselves. So uh, it was so interesting that I'm like, wow, I actually have a body of work for for a decade. (laughs) I feel a lot younger than that. But yeah, so I was able to, wow. receive-
0: you look a lot younger than that. Those of you listening you. Um, might not be able to see this amazing woman, but I'm like, damn, you have no wrinkles, girl. How is that possible? Um, wow. That's amazing. So they're just like, oh, you know, we're going to give you this doctor. So we get to call her doctor. I'm like, okay, doc. Um, so she does a ton of speaking. She's been on huge stages. Um, I know you've spoken with Les Brown, Eric Thomas. Uh, you said Lisa Nichols, who yep. else? the big uh, name? Those are the three that like, those are the three big ones. So, yeah. and if you're listening and you're in the, obviously you're in the financial industry and you might not know those people look them up because they're huge. They're so huge. And I like, I like to name drop some of my friends who were like really big in the space, you know, and nobody like my, My audience is like, no, that's not impressive, Robin, because we don't know who that is. I'm like Mel Robbins, at least most people know Mel Robbins, at least. Um, But she has been featured in Forbes magazine, Huffington Post, Rolling Out, Sheen Essence, Black Enterprise, ABC News, Fox uh, 5 News. 45 news. Good morning, Washington, Washington informer. Um, This woman is incredible. We met actually through a mastermind and just immediately clicked and loved each other. And what I think is so special about um, this woman is that she's got incredible stories. She shares them. She really embraces her authenticity. She embraces, um, you know, really like is able to take the stage and have authority and have credibility and has been able to build her business because of it. And so really you've built your business through speaking, right? Can you tell them a little about that?
1: Absolutely. So a lot of times people feel like, well, I don't want to be a full-time speaker and that's okay. But if you're in business, I don't care what the business is, financial or otherwise, you are technically a speaker because you have to communicate to people what the impact is that you can have on their life or their business or their relationships or whatever your area of expertise is. So for me, I realized very early on as an entrepreneur, that communication had to be a critical part of me growing my business to a six figure and ultimately a seven figure business. Now for me, it just happens that I love the stage. Like there is not a microphone that I don't love. So so I decided that I wanted to be that full-time speaker who was speaking life into people's dreams, their hopes, their possibilities, all, or, all across the world. Now, it didn't just start there. I didn't just jump in and become a speaker just because I dreamed about it. Of course, it was something but that, that helps. But that helps. Right. <laughs> I, I actually discovered that I love speaking because before I became a speaker, I started this business. It was like a little T-shirt business that I was doing, by the way, on the side while I was working a full time job as a legal secretary. I wanted out of my full-time gig because I was a mother of three at the time. And I just didn't feel like I was being really present for my kids. I felt like all I did was work. Uh, It was either I was rushing to get to work or rushing to get back home from work. It was just always chaotic. And I didn't like the way that felt. Uh, And it didn't allow me to really feel like I was doing what I wanted to do in terms of raising my kids and instilling in them my morals and principles. I felt like somebody else was raising them. So that kind of was the underlying emotions that I was feeling that prompted me to start a business. I started a t-shirt business, which was related to motherhood because I loved being a mom. And it was called Moms are the Best. It was a t-shirt business that I would do on the weekends. And I would go to trade shows and conferences and events, set up a table, have all these t-shirts and hope that somebody would buy one. Sometimes they did, sometimes they didn't, but it led me 18 months later to my first speaking engagement because someone heard about the t-shirt business and invited me to come into this women's conference to speak about how I started the business. I felt completely unqualified. I didn't know why the heck they were calling me, but I decided to say yes and give myself an opportunity because sometimes opportunity knocks once. Um, and that was September 18, 2010. And the rest as they say is history.
0: Yeah. And then you're an overnight success. You know, people always say that's an overnight success, but it only took a decade or two. Um, so when you were asked to speak, you felt like, obviously you sound like you felt like you, you weren't even qualified. you were a little, have a little, uh, imposter syndrome like we all do. Um, but were you making money? Were you still at your job?
1: Were you at six figures yet or? Oh my God, it took me forever to get to six figures because I had so much head trash that I was dealing with. So no, I, didn't, I wasn't making all this money, which was one of the reasons why I really felt like an imposter. Like, why would they ask me to come and speak to other people about something I don't know? But the reality is I didn't go in and teach or speak about making money. I spoke about how to feel fear about something and pursue it anyway. Like I was a master at that thing because I was doing something that terrified me, like starting my own business, even contemplating the concept of walking away from my full-time job to pursue a business. Just the thought of that was me facing my fears. So I spoke about what I knew best. How do you get started? How do you press through imposter syndrome? How do you face your fear and run towards the thing that scares you and do it anyway? How do you fall flat on your face, which is what I did a lot of times in that t-shirt business, because I would go to an event. Sometimes I wouldn't sell anything. That felt like a failure. I fell flat on my face. But how do you do that and then get back up? That's what I spoke about. All the things that I actually knew firsthand. I didn't speak about making money for a long time. Cause I didn't make money for a long time. So what changed when you started speaking, like as far as your business and how
0: long did it take? And did did you just do one engagement and then you didn't speak for a long time or did that just start the ripple effect? And then you noticed that speaking started to improve your business success.
1: Yeah. So I, after that first speaking engagement, September 18, 2010, I knew I wanted to speak forever because I could look out to the audience and I could see how it was making the women I was speaking to feel. And I was like, oh my, this is what they mean when they say a life of purpose, like that's so much bigger than something that just brings you joy or satisfaction. It did bring me joy. When I started speaking, I realized it was a gift. Now, of course, you got to be responsible with the gift too. You still have to nurture the gift and make sure that you put time into developing that gift and that that skill, but all of us have a gift. That was communication was my gift and I could do it pretty easily without a whole bunch of practice and prep. Didn't mean I, I could be irresponsible with it, right? So that's a whole different topic. But I knew on that day, that moment that I did that speech, I wanted to do that for the rest of my life. I wanted to make other women feel that way, hopeful and you know, full of possibility. And some of them, like they were taking all these notes and I'm like, wow, is what I'm saying that is it that good? Like some of them were crying because I was telling my story about where I came from, growing up in, a, in an environment of poverty and how I pressed through, again, my head trash about whether or not I was good enough and who's going to listen to me speak, who's going to want to hear my voice. All those things I just I just really, really transparently shared from the stage. And it was making an impact in the room. So I knew I wanted to do it for the rest of my life. So at the top of that next year, just a few months later, I was like, I'm going to be a speaker. Like, that's what I'm going to do. Now, I didn't just jump out and quit my job because I still had bills to pay and my kids like to eat three times a day. Um, but I started pursuing it. I started pursuing it. Greedy kids. With Right. I started pursuing it with intentionality. So for a whole year, I spoke anywhere I could speak for free. I didn't charge people a penny because I knew I needed to build up my own confidence, my own internal belief that I could, that this was something that I was capable of. I had to start working through my own head trash about Cheryl, you're not good enough. You know, nobody's going to want to hear from you. You're just a girl who grew up in poverty with no college degree, like all the stuff that you could think of. Look oh, at yes. you now. Honorary doctorate. Boom. Yeah. Take that
0: Take college degree. Who needs it? <laughs> so um, that's amazing. So you were you're doing it with intentionality. So like when did the money start to come? Because were you a doing you were doing it without charging for speaking engagements? Do you have any back end offer? Like, were you? Did do,
1: do, do you even know what that meant back then? I didn't know what the heck. That were you meant. still selling T-shirts? I was, I was still doing the t-shirt business and I was still working a full-time job. I didn't quit my job. I needed that, that paycheck, that direct deposit every two weeks, but I was going out on the weekends and I would start speaking at events. And so after that year, I was like, okay, I'm tired of people telling me how good I am, but the money is not coming with it. Like this, that, that doesn't, that seems off to me. So there's a disconnect. So how do I connect the dots between, okay, you're great at it. And people are saying you're great and they love the experience, but you're not, your bank account isn't reflective of it. So I decided to start charging and my charging would be like 300 bucks. <laughs> then it went to 500. Literally, I just start climbing slowly. Yeah, to yeah. 700. And it was, a, it was years before I even found anything about a, about a back offer because I had never been coached before. So when you grow up in poverty, let me just explain really quickly. You're not thinking about thriving. You're thinking about surviving. Like, how do I pay the next bill so that I can, I don't get put out of my, my apartment? How do I put food on the table? So that's the environment I grew up in. So I didn't come from an environment where you invested in personal development and professional development. It's like, huh, what? So when I, focused, when I came into the speaker industry and I started hearing people talk about investing in coaches, I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. All right. And I I finally understood the concept. I reached out to a person that I thought could be a great coach for me. And when she told me $6,000 for six one-hour sessions with her, I thought she had lost her mind. Where I come from, 6000 for six hours? I was like, oh, you're crazy. You are crazy. Right. And I'll never forget kind of rolling my eyes and thinking to myself, she is crazy. But then at the same time, I thought, but wait a minute, she's already living the life that you want to live. That means she must know something you don't know. So I started putting my coins aside and I remember calling her back and saying, I don't have the $6,000, but would you be willing to allow me to split it into six payments of $1,000? I will work to get that $1,000 each month. And she Mm -hmm. said, yes. And that was the start of me opening my mind to something I had never even considered because I wasn't even aware and that's when I start learning about back of the room offers and you should be selling something else and writing books and all this stuff that allowed me to kind of evolve as who, who I am now, Dr. Sherwood.
0: Yeah. Amazing. And so just to give some context for those of you listening, because you know, financial advisors, typically there's no back of the room. We're not talking about, you know, back of the room offer either, but your back of the room offer as a financial advisor is usually selling them on or driving them to a free call. And that free call gives you the opportunity to talk to them about what you do and you know how to do the rest. And I know you can optimize and do it better, but you drive them to a call or a zoom or in-person meeting. And then that gives you, you already have the authority, you have credibility from being in, Front of the room. And now you can have a flourishing business using that um, to get to where you want to be. Um, and I know we had another podcast where we talked to Barry Baumgartner, who does all the back of the room stuff. You know, she's done that for with Tony Robbins and Dean Graciosi and all these amazing people, Pete Vargas and stuff, name dropping people again that no one listening to this podcast will know. But trust me, if you looked them up, you'd be extremely impressed with all our amazing friends. Um, not that I'm friends with Tony Robbins, but I'd like to be. But anyway, I digress. So um but she was talking about how she met her financial advisor through speaking like she saw this guy speak. It was actually when she was in college and he, they were he was actually speaking to more like the, you know, uh, the faculty but she somehow got in there and she was like, "Oh my gosh, like I believe I can do this. I believe I need to save. I need to work with someone." And she started working with him right away. And so I'm kind of curious like when you before you even had the path, I bet you weren't even like really aware of it because you didn't have the intentionality. But my guess is I can imagine, you know, Sherwood like empowering women and getting on these stages, even with your t-shirt business and people coming up to you and wanting to work with you or wanting to like, like did you find that they were giving you like the energy of like, how can I hire you in some capacity and how like almost begging you to work with them, but that you just didn't know how to serve them because you didn't really have that, that offer.
1: That is so funny that you asked that question because that was the words that I said out of my mouth. I said, "I don't want to coach people. That was my response. I, I just want to speak. I loved the stage, but I don't want to coach anybody. I, I don't it's like therapy. I'm like, I don't want to coach. And I said that out of my mouth in mm. front of a very reputable speaker. And I will never forget this. The speaker said to me, You can never say that you don't want to coach because it is basically like you telling people what's possible and then you slam the door in their face and say by the way good luck with that yeah i'm not helping you changed everything for me and that's when i at least was open to the idea of coaching and creating something where i could take people on a path but then when i started that path i didn't know all the dynamics of it like how do you really make sure that you're choosing people that are the right fit like that it's a right fit on both sides because all money is not good money and, and just really getting some coaching around what great coaching does look like. Um, so I had to get that training in order to really make it robust, a robust coaching practice. But initially I was like, nope, don't wanna do it. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Right. And, and so, uh, I bet still you had people going like, please let me, you know, will you coach me? Cause like, it, it's a no, I don't want to do it. And so of course the universe here is, you know, just attracted and people want it more because you're saying, I don't want to date you. And they're like, oh, please, will you date me? That's kind of the thing. Okay. So you hired this coach and for six grand that you didn't have that you found and then what changed in your business after you worked with this woman?
1: Everything. Uh, number one, she opened my eyes up to what was possible. I mean, way beyond the scope of anything I ever envisioned. Like you can only, I believe, you can only envision what you've been exposed to. So how do I envision this seven figure, seven figure? That wasn't even on my tongue. Like, I'm like, okay, if I can just replace my $75,000 a year income from my job and do this, Hallelujah! Time, right. I'm gonna be happy, right? That's how I felt at the time. So when she started exposing me to what was possible and showing me her numbers and how I could reach that and the need that was in the marketplace that people actually want what you have and are seeking you out, but you're not findable right now, it it just shifted everything. But it also shifted in terms of the connections that I had as a result of being connected to her as my coach. So now I'm around people who have already, they're the model of what it looks like. Of where I can go, and a lot of them came from you know, maybe not the exact same background, but backgrounds where they had to pull themselves up by their bootstrap, they had to like really be in it, they had to get back up after they failed. So it was really seeing the model in action that made me believe it was possible.
0: Yeah, I find that a lot. Like the women who come to me, I mean, I was exposed in a different way, but basically, like I got into the financial industry, and similarly, I didn't come from a like a poor background or poverty, but like the idea of personal development or even business development, like that was so foreign to me. And like, I became a financial advisor by accident. And then I was just like trying to make it. It was so hard. And then I got into debt and then I started to like really, really struggle financially after having a business that I didn't know how to run a business, even though the industry tells you like, this is how you do it. And I did all the things, but it didn't happen. And then I was exposed to, um, like Tony Robbins event, like someone came in to sell us a ticket. And I was like, $500. Are you freaking crazy? Like I was, I was, I thought it was absurd, $500 for an event. And then I went to the event and it was a $10,000 program. I'm like, there is no way I'm doing that as I'm signing on the dotted line, because I'm like, I want that life. And like, I was shaking, I felt sick to my stomach. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, what are you thinking? But it's like, when you start to see what's possible and you you believe in yourself a little bit like we all have the imposter syndrome but like i believed in myself to know that like there was a life beyond where i was there was a business beyond where what what i could even imagine and there was possibility and like we cannot make that jump alone like there's no possible way you can make that jump alone and so similarly i had like incredible sticker shock I did not have the money. I had to put it on credit cards and then roll another one and finance it over four years. You know, I got super creative. And that was just the beginning of my investment. Uh, you know, whole life of investing and things that like, I still am like, and then you get into a mastermind and you're like, 50 grand, hundred grand. Are you kidding I know, me? Like, right? you know. Like it now, makes you want to go back to the six grand. <laughs> right. I'm like, six grand is nothing. But, nothing. but I come across like women in financial services or, you know, I was talking to someone yesterday and she was saying she's working, she worked with someone for $600 a month. And that was a big stretch for her. And I'm like, well, it is if you don't get the result, right? If you don't get the result, it, first of all, it's scary for anyone, but if you don't get the result, and you're spending six, like, it's expensive for me. And we have seven figure businesses, but it's like, it's expensive for anyone. A dollar is expensive if you don't get the result. It's like, I think Warren Buffett says, you know, like any investment, like, I think it's I'm so horrible about this, but like, he says something about like, uh, an investment or a bet or whatever. And there was like, Oh God, I shouldn't even try this, but it was essentially like a penny or something. And he's like, not, no, the odds aren't good. You know, like even if it was like this billionaire and it was only a, a dollar or only a penny or something like that, if the odds weren't good, he wouldn't invest in it. Right. And so then you have to look at investing in yourself, not just like investments in the market and whatnot. And, and these women who are listening, like. They're all about getting people to invest in the market. Like there seems to be no risk. Markets are designed to go up, it makes sense. But I think like, oh my gosh, like the risk of the market is so much higher than the risk of investing in yourself because you have control over that. Yeah. Like you, Cheryl Woods has said, like, I'm going to make this happen. Yep. And I, you took a huge risk at the time, especially. And we've taken, like you and I have taken, I know, cause I know who you hired as coach, Lisa Nichols, I know she's not cheap. Um, but it's like, you've taken huge risk after huge risk after huge risk because you believe in yourself enough even with all the imposter syndrome to know that if you get out there on stage, something you're good at and something you believe in, where you can impact more people, like the money will come, but you can't do it alone. And you can't do it without the skill. And you can't do it without the, not just intention, but you have to learn all the things, but most, like you said, you keep calling it head trash. Talk about head trash. I mean, if you can't get rid of that noise in your head, and you don't have anyone helping you
1: get out of your own way, you cannot have what you want. So I love and all this stuff. You can't do it without failure. I remember, I'll never for, remember, uh, forget hearing Simon Sinek say that. I got to see him in person, and he's like, you know, there is no success without failure. Because how do you learn to do it better, to get it better, to try it this way, if everything you do is perfect? I'm like, you You learn nothing. But when you fail at something, you're like, ah, okay. It's not that I'm not going to do it again, but I'm going to do it better. The next time I'm going to do this, I'm going to cut out this and I'm going to incorporate this and I'm going to use this technique or that technique or this strategy. And now the thing that you were okay at, you were sort of good at, you are dominating in that space because of the failure.
0: Yeah, I've had many, many of those. Oh boy, all the failures. Well, we have something in our community Um I, one of my books, make more money, help more people that chapter 10, the last chapter is success is through the swamp. So like the only way to get to success. And I use this analogy, like, you know, imagine like people try to go around it. Like, Oh, there's a swamp. I don't want to be in the swamp. There are leeches. Like if I go under there's mud all around me, I have no visibility. I can't see this feels like shit. Literally probably smells that way as well. And you're like in the swamp and you don't want to be in there. Right. So we want to try to go around it and go around it. And we run around trying to avoid all the pain, all the crap, all the failure, all the things, because it's more comfortable and where do you go? Even if you hit success, you don't have fulfillment. So it's like the only way is like straight through the crap and, you know, trudge through and all that stuff. And that's where the growth is. And Mm -hmm. I'm always talking about the becoming, like becoming who you are. Like, just like you said, there's no success without failure. Like there's no fulfillment without, without failure. There's, there's no personal development and personal growth without having those challenges. And so, and they always end up, having like, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Like this yeah. is why I'm in this. And when you're in it, you can't see, you don't have the visibility. You feel like crap. You don't want to be in it, but that's why you need someone, a coach or someone to like throw you a rope, pull you out of the swamp. Cause you can't get out on your own. You're too stuck, you know? Yeah. So
1: it's like, like, it, it's and there's such no juicy a story. Thing. There's no juicy story without the struggle. Like, <laughs> oh man, and you have such like, a juicy
0: story. You have yeah, so much like, struggle. Oh,
1: every time I go through a struggle, okay, don't get me wrong. I hate it when I'm going through the struggle, right? It's not easy. I'm not smiling through the struggle. But at some point I think, oh my God, this is going to be juicy. It's going to be such a juicy part of my story and my journey. Like if you don't have that part, how do you even serve anyone else? How do you serve anybody else if you've never been through the swamp? If you've never fallen down or gotten knocked down or gut punched by life, when you least least expected it, when you thought you were on this path and you had to detour, like you, there is no way you can serve or help anybody else if you have no clue what it feels like to go through the swamp because they are definitely gonna go through the swamp. So I wanna be relatable to the people that I get to serve, which means, hey, I get what it's like to get knocked down. I get what it's like to be terrified about investing. I get what it's like to, whatever the thing is, but i can only share that experience if i've had the experience right if you keep avoiding it you got nothing to share you got nothing you got nothing you got nothing, nothing. You got nothing. Um,
0: which is hard especially you know for women um i think women are more willing to be vulnerable than men but i think women also In this male dominated industry and the male dominated, even business, the industry of business, like I'm talking about the financial industry, but your business as well, it's totally male dominated, right? More, way more men on the stage than women, way, 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 especially your African American. Like now you're dealing with that. Now you're a minority trying to get on the stage. Like, so all the things that you're going uphill for, and it's like, okay, well, this is also the opportunity, right? Right so so let's go back to your story a little bit i know there's so many components but like so you started you you hired this coach you started speaking things start you saw like this possibility like not just six figures but seven figures so what happened like, as you started speaking more? When did you quit your job? When did you go all
1: in? Like, What, what was the rest? I'm kind of curious myself. So the first time I, I quit my job, I started my business, the t-shirt business in 2009, had my first speaking engagement in 2010. I didn't quit my job until maybe 2013, the latter part of 2013. And I quit prematurely. I'm just going to be very honest. I didn't have an exit strategy. I was just fired up off of passion. <laughs> And when when had you hired the coach? What year was that? I hired the coach in 2012, the year before. Okay, so the year before, Uh huh? I was fired up. I was energized. I just thought I was ready. And remember, people were feeding me with, "Oh my God, you're so amazing. You're this great speaker." Well, they love you when you're free. Of course, you're a great speaker when you're free. (laughs) I was free for a whole year. So I just assumed that because everybody was telling me I was a great speaker, it would translate into dollars once I quit this full-time job and it did not happen. And literally we hit financial rock bottom. Uh, And so much so that I ended up going back to work about, I stayed out for maybe a year and I was like, oh, this is not working. This is horrible. But you were really just
0: trying to make money from speaking fees more than back-end or were you doing coaching? Yeah, as well? no,
1: not even back-end, just, just paying people paying me to speak. But yeah. again, I hadn't really, I hadn't set that as a precedent that I was a paid speaker because I had done it for a year for free. So right. now that's the, that's what I created in the marketplace. It's like, whatever you do, whatever you repeat, that's what you're creating as the thing that people expect. So I had come into the circuit and people saw me as a free speaker, not a paid speaker. Mm -hmm. So I had to shift that by making sure that I had a set speaker fee, that I was articulating that speaker fee every time I was in conversation, even if I chose to waive it or whatever, or even if I was going to accept an honorarium, I had to learn through the, the process that I get to dictate what that honorarium is. The honorarium would have to be this amount. So there were so many things I didn't know and didn't do well the first go around in terms of walking away from the job. I was not ready. So I went back to work. Now, me going back to work, I was like, okay, this is only gonna be temporary. (laughs) I'm just broke right now. So I gotta bring some kind of income in. I went for this through a temporary agency. And I went, it was supposed to be for three months to cover a young lady who was out on maternity leave. I was like, okay, if I just, you know, just stack that for three months, we'll be okay. So what happened was at the end of the three months, the young lady came back and I was, I was literally working as a legal secretary for one of our major transportation companies. And they were like, we cannot let you go. Like I was really, really good at my job. <laughs> I was really good. They were like, we want you to stay. We want to pay you this much money, you know, which was more than I was making the first time I left. And we want you to be the right-hand person to the general counsel of this big transportation company. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And I was so torn because it was like, okay, do I stay broke? Do I go pursue the dream? Which one? So I stayed, I took the job. But here's the crazy part. When I took the job, I went into the general counsel's office and I said, can we have a a talk? I said, I just need you to know I'm gonna accept the position, but I'm not gonna be here long. That's like awesome. I already knew in the back of my mind, I it, it this is just temporary. I know where my heart is. I know what I really want to be doing. I know what I'm destined to be doing. And so I remember there was a flyer. We used to always get these flyers in the law department because lawyers have to get their continuing education units, right? So it would be these flyers and it would be of these summits and these conferences and there was one particular flyer, and at the bottom of it, it has all these attorneys that were speaking. At the bottom, it had a picture of a, a lady, and it said motivational speaker. And I don't know if you know who Valerie Burton is, but Google her. That was the picture of Valerie Burton, and I I pulled that flyer out and showed it to the general counsel. I said, "Cause see right here, that's going to be me. That's <laughs> that's going to be me. That's that's what I'm going to do with my life for real." So you know, she probably thought I was crazy. I thought I was crazy. Like who does that? <laughs> And you're about to sign this thing for this $90,000 job. And you're telling them you're not going to be here long. And my whole goal when I went back, Robin, was Cheryl, don't get comfortable.
0: Mm.
1: Because if you get comfortable with direct deposit again, if you get comfortable with this thing, like you could literally throw your dream out the window and everything that you've worked for to get to here, you don't want to go, you don't want to backtrack. This might be a temporary stall, but you don't want to go backwards. Mm -hmm. Sure enough, a year passes by and I was like, I'm getting comfortable. Mm. And I made a decision that I was gonna look at how do I get out of this and that's when I really re that's when I really revisited the whole concept of back of the room sales and Cheryl setting a solid speaker fee and speaking up and doing the things that scare you I was scared to tell somebody oh my speaker fee is fifteen hundred dollars I was terrified of that because I had never made it before I never but how I couldn't make it because you never said it before I never right. said it out of my mouth so you cannot command something that you haven't even expressed and you don't even confidently believe that you are worthy of. So I stopped practicing my speaker fee and saying it out loud so that when I finally had conversations with people, it would flow instead of me seeming like I was scared. So it was a process. And Mm -hmm. sure enough, one year and three months into that job, I walked away. Nice. And for real, the rest is history.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And the rest is coming on another podcast. Um, So just to bring it home, like for the women listening, like, there's a few kind of takeaways here. One I would say is like all the stuff that you just said is applicable, whether you speak or not, like whether you charge a financial planning fee, like, are you actually asking for what you're worth? My guess is whether it's a, whether it's a speaker fee, which you're probably not doing, but some might be, whether it's a planning fee or whether it's just asking, you know, like asking or or even targeting the right client who might have a million or 2 million or 3 million of assets. And like, I, I hate to do the minimums thing. Like I, you know, I only take whatever 250 or a or million dollars as my minimum or 3 million as my minimum, but like you can attract the right person that likely has that. And now it's, you're like, I'm working with people who have $5 million. I'm working with people who have $10 million or whatever it is. And the reason that we don't attract that one is that we're not intentional and clear about who we want to attract, but the, the underlying challenges is exactly what you just said, Cheryl, which is all well, that head trash, you know, that that's like telling you you're not good enough, telling you you're not worth it, not knowing how, not knowing, you know, what to do to, to command that fee or command that worth is like holding you back from making the money that you need to make and should make and deserve to make so that you can help more people. And, um, you know, I I know for me, you said 2010, which is so funny, funny because my, I think my first speaking engagement was also, you might've said 2009, but mine was in 2010. And I remember having a very similar feeling and it was, I was a financial advisor and I did this talk on something called money parenting, which is how to raise financially responsible kids by leading by example. I had this concept and idea because I'd worked with a lot of parents, young kids. I did my first talk and it was basically, I don't know, there's probably 15 to 20 there. I remember my cousin was there in the back of the room, which was a little awkward, but, um, and I left thinking like, oh my gosh, like I'm meant to do this. Like I have, have to use my voice. And again, like you started with this podcast, like using your voice doesn't always mean in front of the stage, you have the opportunity to get people to pay attention to you because you have a huge gift to give to the world, like helping people with their money, helping people with their finances. Right. I'm talking to the audience now, but Cheryl's like, you know, yeah, yeah. She's yes. It's like empowering women is what you do. Right. Especially when it comes to money where we feel like we're not good enough. Um, but you got- got to use that voice. And when you get in front of the stage, if you choose to do that, then you actually do get immediate authority and credibility, and it actually will help you grow your business. You still have to bring your confidence with you or learn how to have more confidence and learn the strategies behind it. So you know how to drive action because so many advisors, oh my gosh, they do speaking engagements. have no idea how to drive action. And just like you did for the first year or two or multiple there's no back end. And when I say back end, doesn't mean you have to sell something. I'm just saying you get clients, right? Yeah. And we just actually created this new program. It's it's called um, Speak to Accelerate Success. It's our SaaS program to help financial advisors start speaking, even if it's at the Rotary Club, but to get clients from it. Um, because I know speaking deals money. I mean, I started 2010 and then I kept my, I got six figures that way. And then just like you got seven figures and I'm not speaking on these big stages as much, but like I have my own stage, you know, and it's like, you create your own stage. Now with social media, we all have our own stage, right? So I just wanted to bring that home for all of you, because again, you might not have the the exact same story. Like, I want to speak and I want to be, you know, on stage with people like Les Brown, like this amazing woman. But, like, you have a voice, you got to use it. And if you use it one to many, like in front of the room, you can impact so many more people and you can grow your business way faster. So, that's my closing, uh, what comments, closing re- response. What do you call it? You're, you're say that amen. that's, I'm just, amen. Gonna say amen. <laughs> you have
1: me all wrapped up into that because. The, Ditto. That's it. Everything you said.
0: Yeah. So I just, I mean, I know sometimes when we have people on the podcast and like, they're not in the financial industry, like there's all these things that come up like compliance. We're not hitting on that and this that, and why it's not possible in industry. And like someone could have told you it's not possible because of your background. It's not possible because you don't have enough experience. It's not possible because of X, Y, and Z insert, whatever excuse, or people, you know, things that people throw at you, why you can't do this. And it's all BS. Like it's just not true. And you've been a huge success story and you've proven this and I'm super proud of you. Um, and happy and, and just grateful to be your friend and be part of it. So tell them any other words of wisdom to add, and then we'll talk about where to find you.
1: Yeah. I'll close with this quote that I live by. Uh, it's by Tony Robbins. And Tony Robbins says, a real decision is measured by the fact that you've taken a new action. And if there is no new action, you have not truly decided. So don't just talk about what you want to accomplish. Like you've got to be about it. You've got to walk the talk. Knowledge is power. Yep. But knowledge executed is your superpower. So really, really step into your superpower by taking action consistently, sharing your voice, as you mentioned, being able to make more money by helping more people. I love that as your slogan, your tagline. Like make that your intention every single day, every day that you wake up and you have breath in your body, it is not just meant for you to stay quiet, you are meant to touch other people's lives through the knowledge that you have and that you have access to so don't hoard it to yourself right you got all of this stuff that you've learned you've been educated through external knowledge but also through your life experiences don't hoard that like really share that so that someone else's life can improve uh, in some some way. In this instance, with you all, with financially, like that matters. And you can literally shift the trajectory of people's lives through what you know. So do not be quiet. Make sure that you understand that there's so much power that you're sitting on. So I I like to say, and, and Les Brown will often quote me, like someone is waiting on what you are sitting on. So don't sit on it. Don't sit on your greatness. Uh, In terms of connecting with me, I think you First, I got to say, amen, sister. I got to put in my amen, sister, because that was amazing. That was amazing,
0: good stuff. Okay, (laughs) where to find you? Go ahead.
1: Yeah, and connect with me uh, all across social media at Cheryl Empowers with an S on the N, and as well as on my website, CherylEmpowers.com. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, you see, I know
0: you have some keynotes out there. I've seen I mean, it's really empowering. It's incredible. And her story, we didn't even get into the actual story. Like some of your stories are so amazing, compelling, heart wrenching, all the things like what you've gone through, but check her out because you'll be so inspired. And if you can have a little Dr. Cheryl Wood every day, then you'll be more and more inspired. You see all the stuff on social. She's great about social. So like she gives you so much um, to really um, hang on to and look forward to and to be able to not just help you personally, but also in your business. So thank you so much, Cheryl.
1: Thank you for having me, Robin. Yeah. Thank you all for showing
0: up. See you next next time. Bye.
1: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.